Thank you very much, and good morning, everyone. It's so good to be with you today. This is Preacher Bill Gilliland at First Christian Church, and uh, we want to share with you today the good news that God loves you. Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to give himself up for you. This is the Love Weekend, and today is a special day, Valentine's Day. It's not too often that uh, Valentine's Day happens on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. You know, every day needs to be Valentine's Day because this world needs to be filled uh, with God's love for us and our love for Him and our love for others. And we certainly want to uh, emphasize uh, love today because that's probably what's on people's hearts and minds. And hopefully, uh, many are going to be saying that special uh, sentence, I love you, you mean so much to me. I hope that we will make time to say that to the Lord, to give him an extra time of praise and, and glory. Uh, he has been so good to us, and our hearts need to be filled with love and adoration for him. Um, of course, Valentine's Day often, uh, the height of Valentine's Day is the emphasis on romantic love. There will be a lot of roses and chocolates exchanged uh, today, uh, cards with um, mushy poems. All of this is good because uh, hopefully it comes from the heart, uh, a good day to emphasize love. Today I want us to consider a subject called help. I've misplaced my love. There are so many directions that uh, the word love can take us. And there are so many times that the word love is used in uh, general ways that really doesn't apply too much to what real love means to God and to the Christian. So we want to look at some negative uh, ideas of love, love that's been misplaced. But first, I'd like for us to go to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, the epistles of John are, are filled with words about love. And in chapter 4 of 1 John, uh, he gets down to the nitty-gritty of what love really means. So go with me to 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7, where the scripture says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. <clears throat> now that, dear friends, is a scripture about real love. Do you ever misplace things? I know I do. 
a lot of times I'll wonder, where, what have I done with my watch? Uh, since the COVID-19 virus brought on a lot of restrictions and regulations, including mask wearing, I've had a rough time holding on to my glasses and knowing where they are. Because every time I put my mask on, uh, my glasses will get fogged up. So I take my glasses off and I lay them down or I put them in a pocket. And then when I take my mask off, I have no idea many times where my glasses are. I've lost my glasses more in the last 12 months than I have in the last 12 years. I've misplaced them. Of course, I have a tendency to misplace a lot of things. Have you ever been guilty of misplacing your love? You know, misplaced love can lead to tragedy and loss. Follow me for a few minutes, if you will, as I uh, try to give us a, a view of some of the misplaced love that we have in this world of ours. The first misplaced love would be the love of self. Now, of course, the Bible says that we need to love ourselves, but we need to love God, and we need to love others as ourselves. Oftentimes, that love of self, however, gets misplaced. It gets moved from number three or from down toward the bottom to up at the top. And when that happens, it gets us in trouble and it can destroy us. There's a scripture over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where Paul writes to Timothy about the last days. And he says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. And he goes on and talks about Words that match up with loving oneself, covetous, proud, unthankful, unholy. All of these words point to selfish. Have you ever been called selfish? And that would be because perhaps people thought you were loving yourself too much. Now, the Apostle Paul writes over Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and he warns people, the, the Christians there, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Well, that hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? That's how real Christians need to act. That's how they need to value others above themselves. You see, real love takes self out of the equation as a first response. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, John writes there and says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God, and that's what we are. Because God has loved us first, there is no selfishness in God except an appreciation of who he is. Over in 3 John, there's only one chapter, the letter, the third letter that John wrote. He talks about a man there by the name of Diotrephes who was a member of the church. And he simply says, Diotrephes who loves to be first. There's too many in the world who love to be first. They think more about self than they do the Lord or anyone else in life. Don't misplace your love of self. 
And then I'd like for us to mention the love of money. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, the young preacher, and says, uh, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now, he didn't say that money is the root of all evil. He said the love of money is the root of all evil. And we make that mistake in quoting the scripture many times. I've done it myself. I'd like to just mention that Paul's very next thought in verse 11 of 1 Timothy 6 says, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. The Lord says, run away. Run away as fast as you can from this love that people have for money because it leads us in all the wrong directions. I enjoyed uh, the love letter that was written in Lament by a young lady. She said, Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. Oh, my. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's scripture, isn't it? And one fellow said a prayer that sort of wraps up the whole idea of loving self and loving money. He said, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray my brand new car to keep. I pray my stocks are on the rise and that my analyst is wise. That all the wine I sip is white and that my hot tub's watertight. That racquetball won't get too tough. That all my sushi's fresh enough. I pray my cell phone always works and that my career won't lose its perk. My microwave won't radiate. My condo won't depreciate. I pray my health club doesn't close and that my money market grows. And if I go broke before I wake, I pray my Lincoln they won't take. I hope you don't pray selfish, uh, worldly prayers like that. You know, a materialistic world doesn't offer contentment or peace to us. Well, let's quickly move on, shall we? Number three, the misplaced love I'd like to mention is the love of praise. There's a, there's a, a scripture in John chapter 12, the gospel of John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43, where Jesus is talking about his followers, and uh, he has many disciples at this point following him. And he's, it's, the Bible says in verse 42, yet at the same time, Many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Did you catch that 43rd verse? 
they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Some translations use the word glory instead of praise. They love human glory more than God's glory. Of course, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31 and says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Now, we should not love the praise of people more than the praise of God. Now, I'm not talking about the need that we have. We all have need for encouraging words from others. I was reading about a dad who was playing a game, GameCube, with his six-year-old son. And the, the little boy looked at his dad and said, no, no, dad, I'll play, you watch, and say, good job. Well, it's true, we all need an attaboy at times, don't we? Uh, but we need to live to please God. We should not live to please others in order to receive praise from them. Uh, I hope that it would never be said of you and me that we loved human praise more than praise from God. We need to live to do God's will. We need to live in such a way that God will be pleased with us and praise us. Someone wrote, encouraging words are fine, but praise is like perfume. It's okay to sniff a little, but don't swallow. Be careful about this misplaced love. Well, here's number four as far as misplaced love, and that's the love of the world. The love of the world. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 uh, through 17 uh, is a passage that... Uh, Many of us have probably even memorized, but uh, this, is, this is great warning where uh, John writes and says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father <clears throat> is not in them. And then he goes on to talk about the idea of loving the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. <clears throat> and these are areas where we can see uh, the wrong direction, people going in the wrong direction in the world. And then in verse 17, <clears throat> John says, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we need to be more concerned about doing the will of God. And if we're doing the will of God, then we're not going to allow the world to sweep in and catch us off guard. Remember what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.10 about one of his previous followers named Demas? He says, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. You know, God put us in the world to enjoy it. He wants us to enjoy this wonderful world that he's created. But don't put the world's pull ahead of God's will for your life, dear friend. Uh, someone has said that a scuba diver is in the water but breathes the air which is from above. In other words, the scuba diver takes his environment with him when he goes. Let me ask you 
Do you take breaths of heaven out into the world with you when you go? Or do you find that you bring the world's breath into your life, into your home, into your head, maybe even into God's house? Uh, the Lord has sent us out into the world to be an influence for him. And if we love the world and follow after all of these lusts and desires, then God's will is not number one in our lives. Don't take breaths of heaven out into the world with you. Uh, I, I want to live above the world, the song we sing sometimes says. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, Paul says, Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Well, I want to get a, a couple more misplaced loves in here before we finish this morning. So the next one I want to mention is the love of pleasure. The love of pleasure. Once again, Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, the last part of verse 3 and verse 4. Uh, Paul says we should not be lovers of, we, we need to be lovers of the good. And then in verse 4, he says some people are treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Well, that marks a whole lot of people in this world, doesn't it? People who are lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Uh, the word hedone in the Greek uh, is this idea of pleasure or seeking that which is pleasing. Uh, we have an English word called hedonism that comes from this word. And uh, hedonism is the doctrine that pleasure is the highest good and that moral duty is fulfilled with the pursuit of pleasure. Uh, it, it has been said that one of the reasons Rome fell uh, from being the empire that it was for so long is because they tried to entertain everybody, and everybody thought they needed to be entertained more than anything else. Well, we live in a hedonistic society, don't we? So much of our world is seeking the highest pleasure they can find. They think the accomplishment of life, the highest accomplishment of, of life, is to, is to be pleasured. But the Christian knows that we need to be pleasing to God. We need to seek his pleasure, and we need to be pleasing to those around us. Uh, this word is used in Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. You remember the story Jesus told about the uh, the sower who went out to sow and how the seed fell on different grounds and some of the seed fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked the seed. And when Jesus gave the interpretation to his disciples in Luke eight fourteen, he said, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures and they don't mature. Now, we're living in days of selfish love and self-gratification, dear friends. <clears throat> Be careful about this love of pleasure. 
Well, here's another misplaced love, and that's the love of darkness. The love of darkness. In John chapter 3, verse 19, <clears throat> Jesus is talking about life. You remember verse 16 is the key verse of the entire Bible. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But not everybody's going to desire that, are they? Because in verse 19, Jesus himself says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We need to be very careful about darkness. Of course, this light and darkness thing we find uh, throughout all the scripture. Jesus, you remember, said, I am the light of the world. Uh, he is the one <clears throat> that we should be looking to and following. And later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you, my followers, my disciples, you are the light of the world. So be careful how you live. <clears throat> Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. You see, darkness is the place where sin becomes attractive. Uh, making decisions in the dark can lead to some regrettable circumstances. Uh, back in the days before electricity, the story is told that a tight-fisted old farmer was taking his hired hand to task for carrying a lighted lantern when he went to call on his best girl. He said, why, when I was courting, I never carried one of them things. I always just went in the dark. And the hired hand replied and said, yes, and look at your wife. Now, that's not a very good story, is it? But we need to be careful about the dark. You see, uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that we have been called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. I hope that you don't live in the darkness or love the darkness. And then the last misplaced love I want to mention is love that's lost. In Matthew 24 and verse 12, as Jesus is talking about the second coming and the judgment, the last days, he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The love of many or most will grow cold. It, uh, Peterson's message translates that for many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Oh, dear friend, we don't want our love for the Lord to grow cold. We don't want our love for the gospel and for those that are lost to grow cold. Uh, John wrote in Revelation the message to the seven churches of Asia and to the church at Ephesus. He said in Revelation 2 and verse 4, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Oh, how sad. They've lost their first love. Or they've lost the love they had that they held most important. They've lost that. They've let that go. Have you done that, dear friend? You know, 
in John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. You know, in a lot of these little cards that the children share together, we see the words, be mine. God wants you to be his. He does. He wants you to be his. He, he loved you so much. He gave Jesus uh, to change your life and to guarantee you heaven's home. And I hope today that if you're not a Christian, you'll reply to God and say, yes, I want to be yours. I want your love in my life. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the time that we have together. We realize, Lord, that you love us. You gave Jesus to die for us. Help us, Lord, to be willing to love you back. We want to be yours. Bless those that are considering today giving their lives to Jesus. Let it happen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was a wandering soul Traveling a well-worn road A sinner so far from home But no second chance in sight Till I heard you
Show it.